folks, welcome into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. It's Monday, July 3rd. Gavin and Kyle with you today, and due to excessive data scraping, we're going to have to limit today's episode to, I don't know, 7,000 seconds, just whatever arbitrary number seems about right. Kyle, does that work with you? Are you are you good with that? So rate limit has been exceeded. Please try again later. Oh, okay, there we go. Um, I was also thinking about limiting it to one take, one good take. So you can have as many takes as you want. Only one of them can be good, and it's up to it's up to the listeners to decide which one it is. I mean, so if we're only allowed one good take, I feel like that doesn't change anything about the normal episode length. So I feel like we're good. Yeah. I feel like neither one of us have anything to worry about. Yeah, so it all stays bad, and, you know, it's up for everyone else to determine what uh, what's what. Well, with that... It's July, our first episode of July. We have the uh, 4th of July coming up tomorrow, this episode dropping Monday afternoon. Orlando City just played. They'll be playing again. The Pride just played. They won't be playing again, but, you know, it is what it is. Let's talk about that Orlando City game. 3-1 to one victory over the Chicago Fire. Facundo Torres with a brace, 38th-minute goal, and a 55th-minute penalty kick. He's got two... I mean, that's seven goals in all competitions for Fagundo this season. That leads the team, and he is now the third player in Orlando City history to score at least 15 goals by the age of 23 or younger, joining Daryl DK and Kyle Laren. So, starting with that, 3-1, to one, Fagundo is, is pumping them in now this summer. Things are looking up for Orlando City. Yeah, it's, it's you know, we talked a lot in the beginning of the season about Faku got off to a really slow start, so there was a lot of concern of what's going on. Is he going to be able to get back to, to form? And he was the key offensive player for Orlando City last year in the Open Cup run and, and in MLS, and so I think it was really important that he get back to scoring ways, scoring with the national team too when he was away, and it seems like he's his confidence is at an all-time high right now the way he's been performing a little disappointing that the tie that he broke to become the leading scorer was with a guy who's barely started any games until recently in Duncan McGuire. I think that is more of a testament to how good Duncan has been, but also you would hope that players like Gertrude Caro would be performing better and that we could get a little more variety in the offense. But I think, you know, it's one of those like, because there's always something that could be better, but, it's good to see him back and seems to be playing well, seems to be confident. Hopefully it's not a, oh, hey, the European transfer window's open. Maybe uh, someone's looking at me. Hopefully it's more of just a, hey, the plan is going to be to to be here and do some good things for Orlando. Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as variety in the offense, couldn't you say, though, that over the last month, two months, though, that there has been where there's been the spurts where Urchin Kara's been good in scoring. There's the spurts where Duncan McGuire's stepping onto the field and, and knocking in goals within 10 seconds. And then you've got Facundo Torres stepping up when those guys aren't around. I, I mean, the I, variety for, is, for, is definitely there for Orlando, it feels like. I, I just mean season long. It, it's gotten there over the last yeah, over right. the over the last stretch, but obviously the 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 most recent stretch of games has been mostly good for Orlando. I, I was talking more like oh, for sure. from the from the start, you want to see that. Obviously, yeah. Now the last couple weeks things have been better, but I, I do think Faku has been like the lead of all of that. And you 
you look at what happens when he doesn't score. I mean, you look at the Seattle game, right, where he where he didn't score, even even in a game like the the Philly game where there were two goals scored, but it was also kind of a disappointing collapse. And so it's it you you want to be operating on a, firing on all cylinders consistently and from the beginning, which I know is is not it's MLS. I know that doesn't always happen, but I think that's just one of those again again. It's not that things have been bad. It's not that nobody else has been playing well. It's just that you'd like to see things go up another notch now that now that things are better. No, for sure. And I mean, things have definitely been better. And it definitely speaks to the level of uh, scoring that we've been seeing over the last couple of months. I mean, here's a couple of stats for you. One loss in their last 10 league games. That was the 3-1 to one loss at New England a couple weeks ago. So... They're they're getting points now in every opportunity, in just about every opportunity. Over the last eight games, for a team that for the first couple months of the season, we couldn't talk enough about how bad this team was offensively, how boring they were offensively. Five multi-goal games in their last eight. Three of those have been three-goal games. Something again, even going back to last season or the year before, you couldn't say that about Orlando City very much. So they're they're scoring often. They're scoring a lot. And now this team, like you said, you know, you're starting to see it all come together. And they're definitely not at the level, I don't think, yet. There's still some some areas of opportunity. There's still some guys who are kind of teetering back and forth into being good and, you know, disappearing at times. But it's it's starting to come together for Orlando at a time when typically this is when it starts to fall apart. So that's definitely good. Yeah, no, and you did you did mention you know scoring multiple goals like in the last five games. Just looking at the most recent form, the only time City has not scored more than a goal in a match is the Seattle game where nobody scored. They had two goals against Colorado. Oh, that's not true. They had they had one against New England uh, as well, but two against Colorado, two against Philadelphia, three against Chicago. Even going back to look at some of the other games recently, uh, the three nothing win against the Red Bulls, a three one win against Miami. Like there's been some some several more than one goal games, averaging one point four goals a match feels like a, a pretty big high for Orlando. Maybe not ideal if if that's a high. You want that number to get a little bit better, but historically not been a team that that likes to go out and score a lot of goals. It's not the way. Oscar Pereira teams tend to play. They tend to try to get a goal and then hunker down. And so, yeah, it's, I think we're starting, we talked about like at the beginning of the season, we talked about the signings that were made and it seems like there's a lot of offensive firepower and it seemed like it might've been a little bit of a shift in mentality and an approach for the team. And maybe that the, the previous approach had just been more pragmatic based on the roster. And I think now we're seeing kind of an inverse of the way seasons have normally worked for Orlando where we've had a lot of seasons where we've seen pretty good starts and then things you know kind of falter by the time we get to the summer and it's hot and it's nasty and nobody wants to to be in Florida even more so than normal and things kind of fall apart and I think now what we're seeing is this attacking talent that was brought in really starting to find their rhythm together and find a better understanding of playing together and now like this the approach to the games has changed where they're actually going out trying to get goals like even in the seattle game uh, it was a it was a no no draw but it wasn't for a lack of trying it wasn't it wasn't the type of game where you're watching you know orlando's just like coming here trying to get a point like they have no desire 
to score or to do anything. The expected goals in that game was 1.57 for Orlando and and 1.2 for Seattle. But I mean, like that's a game where Orlando went in offensively. They but they when you miss big chances, that that makes a difference. But normally, that's the kind of game you go to the West Coast and you try to play a bit more reserved and just come out with a point and you're happy. So yeah, I think the the mentality has shifted a little bit too, and we we're starting to see it in some of these multi-goal games and, and yeah Chicago's not a great team and so beating them is one of those things that if you want to be a good team you kind of expect to do that we'll see what happens on the fourth against Toronto and see if if that can carry on and continue with such a tight turnaround but yeah it feels like there's a, a little bit, bit of a different approach to the way that they're playing based on the players that they brought in and it is it's starting to pay off big time and has the potential to continue to build through the rest of the season. You know, I, I feel like Orlando's not fully hit their stride yet. And that's what you want to see in a team. Yeah, so you, you pretty much answered the next question that I was going to ask because you've obviously seen a lot more of the actual, you know, soccer than I have lately just because of, of my work schedule and everything. So you talked about all the things that they're doing well and they're doing better. Are there still any areas that you look at and you say this is holding them back a little bit. This could be worrisome. You know, what might those be? I wouldn't say worrisome, but there's definitely still some moments where the connections aren't completely there, where you see guys making passes and things that lead to sloppy turnovers, where they're just not always on the same page. And I think that's just a thing that always takes time to build with a team where you can just instinctually know where your teammates going to be and what they're going to do. And there's been some times, there was a moment towards the end of the game and I forget what minute it was and, and I forget who it was and apologies on that one. But there, there was a, a break that Orlando had. I want to say it was like a five on two break and just the last pass needed, like there, there were players open to take a chance on goal and the pass that was made was was made into a bad area and nothing ended up coming of it and it, it was part of the reason why it doesn't stick is like I can't sit here and tell you who it was is because that's one of those things that I kind of expected as soon as the run started because you just kind of assume when there are those situations Orlando's still not clinical enough and still not fluid enough to kind of make those moves but it's also one of those things that it just kind of it takes time it, not a not a perfect analogy but it's one of those when you watch like new players who go play in a team like Manchester City for example and like they'll have a first season where they'll be they'll be like bad and they'll barely play and then the next year they'll come in and they'll be a, a really key player for them Jack Jack Grealish is a good example of that like it's when you bring in so many new players and and in important positions and you're trying to to move things around change things around and even like it seems like the style of play is changing to be more offensive focused. It's just going to take a lot of time for that to click. But once it clicks and once that system clicks in and you can keep that consistency, it stays that way. It's one of those things that you they'll, they'll know where the next player is going to be. Or if they're off the ball, they know where the pass is going. They know just instinctually without having to think. And right now it seems like there's a lot of overthinking which leads to kind of, oh, I'm going to take this on by myself. I'm going to make this move on my own because I'm not really sure where, you know, the other guys are going to be and, and what's going to be available for me to do. So there's a lot of times where players will try to kind of play hero ball a little bit and, it, and you know, it doesn't pan out when they do that because this game could have easily, I think, been a 5-1 game. I think there were a couple opportunities where 
this could have been more, but I think that's what needs to improve. It's also not a thing that's as consistent of a problem. In the beginning of the season, it was a problem for all 90 minutes. Now it's one of those things that pops. Uh, well, folks, all right, uh, you know, <laughs> not to uh, cut off Kyle there, but we are uh, returning from a quick rate limit, um, actually literally exceeding. Um, he's, his computer had enough for a hot second. So let's uh, technical difficulties, but we're back. We're good. It's almost like it never happened. Um, yeah. Now I don't know where, where you left off, so I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> it, it, it threw off our whole vibe. Yeah. Basically, my point is not too concerned about Orlando. Feel like feel like things are going in the right direction. The little miscommunication issues have improved and will continue to improve. Yeah, and things are definitely improving. And you know, Oscar Pereira after the match talking about themselves. You know, he said the boys were very much themselves in the first twenty-five to minutes, first twenty-five to thirty minutes. He, I wish we had scored a couple of goals, but we maintained our concentration and we were patient with the game, controlling it, creating sequences, creating options to score. We were patient. The goals came. The reaction from Chicago in a spell of about 15 minutes was hard. And then the goals, and then the other goals came. We're good. We're pleased. I think the team is playing much better. We're scoring goals. A lot of positive things. Those three points will give us a lot of confidence too. And we're happy for our fans. So pretty much echoing a lot of the things that you're talking about there is Orlando definitely looking a lot more composed. They're looking a lot more uh, controlling on the field where this team is starting to... You know, I, early in the season when we were we watched these games and it just kind of felt like the idea was there. The team just didn't know how to stay on task and actually execute it. And you're starting to see that now. And, I, you know, a lot of it obviously goes to just the simple execution, you know, that we, that we were, was really missing throughout the first couple of months of the year. And it's starting to show up now. And, you know, again, I, we're, they're getting there to that ceiling and, and the things are starting to look up. Um, seventh place. In the East now, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to also think, you know, one loss in the last 10 games, and they're still only seventh place in the East, which tells you just how tough, how close the competition here is in the Eastern Conference. They're on 31 points. The good news is they are seven points above the cut line. So, you know, not, I wouldn't, you know, obviously not close to safe by any means necessary or by any means, but they're they're comfortably above the line at the moment, all things considered. For Major League Soccer, you know, when you look at the fact that the team made it on the last day of the season last year, if they keep up this pace, they'll be uh, will be pretty good look, moving forward. Um, a couple more notes from this one. Just three changes coming in from last week's game against Seattle. Brice Pereira, Rodrigo Schlegel, and Kyle Smith all getting the nod. We saw Antonio Carlos did not play in this game, um, possibly just... Oscar looking to rest some guys. Obviously, very quick turnaround two days from now, or I guess two days from the game on Tuesday night against Toronto. Let's see who. Uh, else. So, on that, uh, Antonio Carlos had missed, he wasn't able to fully train during the week. Okay. So, just, and so he was just not being, fully healthy on just, the bench. Yeah, just a, a little bit of rest. Available if needed. Urchankara also was on the bench for this one, did not play. Who did play, however, Fabian Laiola came on in second half stoppage time. Orlando City's homegrown player, MLS debut. So that's cool to see. Another one of those. What's that? Three three MLS debuts so far this season for either Orlando City B or homegrown players. So the pipeline is starting to show. Obviously, all of these kids have just been playing very few minutes just to get them on the field, to get them capped, to get the, you know, 
that emotion of your first time stepping on the field in a professional game, even if it's meaningless to the box score, to the, you know, the, the results in the game, it's still, is obviously meaning a lot for these kids. And, um, it's cool to see, and, you know, especially when you kind of think about all the times that Orlando, especially over the years, you know, they're constantly pulling these kids from the academies from OCB to come train with the first team. And these are all meaningful reps in their own ways, even if they don't have a, a larger impact, they all still make a difference. Um, mentioned that turnaround Tuesday at home against Toronto FC, a very poor Toronto FC side that just uh, very recently fired head coach Bob Bradley, 14th place in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're coming off a one nothing loss at BMO Field to Real Salt Lake on Saturday night. So both these teams, for whatever reason, played on Saturday. They will now be playing again on Tuesday night because why not? We love player health and safety. We love to give all these guys, you know, absolutely no rest in one of the hottest parts of the year. It is now summer. So why not? Why not have them come to Orlando and play another game um, on very minimal rest before they go back out and play again in this weekend? And especially for Orlando City, they'll be traveling to Real Salt Lake this week uh, on the weekend. So cool. Cool. Love it. Love to see it. Um, Toronto. You mentioned it already. Should be uh, should be a fairly winnable game for Orlando, especially considering their form. Their form at home of late has obviously been much better. They're getting more results. And so you look at this and you think about Toronto struggling. Not definitely far off from where they expect it to be considering how much money this team has spent. But uh, any thoughts, ex- expectations for this one? Well, I think you talk about Toronto struggling and it's – one of the things that I'm quite vocal about in sports in general is that firing the coach is not usually the answer. And we're seeing with Toronto now firing the coach as it turns out, wasn't really the problem there. And I think they'll see more of that as they go. They've got a whole lot of other problems in that organization. So it's a good opportunity for Orlando. Toronto's also going to be really tired. It's going to be a holiday. There's going to be a lot going on. I think it's a, a really good chance for Orlando to put in another good home performance. I think this could be another multi-goal win, hopefully for Orlando to continue to build momentum and continue to climb up the table. For sure. And for Toronto, or just a couple of notes on this game. I mean, Toronto is always one of those teams, they they put up a fight against Orlando. It's always, a, you know, competitive games. Um, Orlando did win the most recent meeting last year, 4 to nothing. Um, all time six, three and eight, six wins for Orlando, eight wins for Toronto. Um, considering struggling, Toronto is winless in 13 straight away matches, four draws, nine losses, and they have just two road wins in their last 35 MLS games dating all the way back to August of 2016. Orlando, meanwhile, they are on an unbeaten run of nine. They are on a six game unbeaten run at home all the talk about orlando struggling at home they've turned it around of late three wins three draws they haven't recorded a longer home unbeaten run in mls since a run of nine straight at explorer stadium from february to november of 2020 so the pandemic shortened season very few home games that year but that's still impressive i mean orlando's doing things doing doing what they need to do um and Toronto, meanwhile, is not. So, again, this sets up to be a good game for Orlando, a good opportunity to get more points and hopefully uh, pad themselves in the standings. 
Well, let's move on. Oh, or, I'm sorry. I, well, a couple more notes for Orlando City before we move on. Uh, Nani, he was in town for the beautiful game over the last couple weeks. He's been training with the team. Cool to see. You love to see it. Club legend, former captain, vocal leader. Um, he's been out and about, you know, popping all over teams around the world the last couple of years. So it's nice to see Nani. Um, you know, don't to get ahead of ourselves it, as far as we can tell, as far as we know. A, a re, um, a re, he's not coming back. So I'll leave it at that. He will not be signing with Orlando City as of what we know. So just saying. Um, but yeah, moving on to the Orlando Pride, another big victory this weekend for the Pride, a three nothing win in DC over the Washington Spirit. They complete the season sweep of the Spirit uh, after a win in May. Julie Doyle, a brace, her first brace as a professional, all inside the first 16 minutes of the game, help the Pride to a 3-0. When they bounce back, uh, they had that game. In the middle of the week, the Challenge Cup game against North uh, against Gotham that was canceled because of the wildfire smoke coming down from Canada. That match rescheduled until later in July. But a big victory for the Pride. No Marta, no Adriana, both of them off at the World Cup. And yet they still managed to get it done. Kyle? I think this was the most surprising result of the weekend by far. And I don't mean that in that I I didn't think the Pride were capable of winning. It just wasn't what I think any of us expected. I think when, you, when you're losing, the key to the Pride's offense has been Marta and Adriana. They have been incredible, and it's been why they've been able to... to, to overperform and I don't mean that negatively I don't mean to say that they've been bad it's just the expectations versus the performance right and I think those players have been fundamental to their success so far this season in the games they've won so seeing the team be able to go up against a good team in Washington also missing some some players but it's one of those things where you know everyone's missing key players this time of year because of course we're going to play during international duty that's a thing that makes sense and leagues that take themselves seriously should definitely continue to do but was really not expecting was not expecting a win was certainly not expecting for them to win in the way that they did as soon as i saw the first goal we had it up on on my laptop in the press box at the city game and like saw the first goal and I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> then just like continued to watch and continue to see them score. And it, it was a very, very satisfying result for the Pride to go on the road and win. Pride are very good against good teams, it turns out. Not so good against bad teams, but very good against good teams. Yeah, no, I mean, you see a result like this and you think like, wow, what's going on with, with Washington? I mean, they're they're in the playoffs at the moment. They're in a playoff spot, fourth in the NWSL. Um, so, like you said, the pride, they rise to the occasion. I think it, you definitely are starting to see a pattern of this team playing to their opponents, whether their opponent is good or bad. Um, so there's definitely that of note. Sepp Hines, after the match, talking more about it, was basically echoing, you know, I think one of the themes that for the pride – that we've noticed over the last uh, several weeks is, is whether or not they're playing to themselves, they're playing to their identity. And this is something that Seb talked about after the game. You know, he said, tonight we're more about ourselves. We needed to have a reaction after the last two defeats. Recently, we haven't been ourselves and going to an environment like Washington, it's difficult, of course. But 
We wanted to come here with loads of energy, loads of desire, commitment, and put a real good performance together for our fans because they deserve it. The players know it as well. We haven't been ourselves lately. To go back to our identity and when we show what we're capable of doing, that's when you get your success. So I was really pleased with not just the goals, but their overall performance and their attitude leading to this game, end quote. So really, that's the theme, I think, you know, for for Seb is if this team is going out there and they're sticking to their game plan, they're sticking to what they want their identity to be, it's almost like it's working, you know? They, they don't have to go out there and overthink it. They don't have to necessarily be a better tactical soccer team than who they're up against, but what what Seb is really hammering at is in the media and it seems like to the group behind closed doors is, you know, be yourselves. Like this is who we are. And if you can be this, you're going to be successful. And lately we've seen a lot of these games where if the pride stick to that, they play like who they want to be. They have been successful regardless of whether, of what the talent gap is between the two sides. Yeah. You talked about Seb's message to the team and, and what he's been saying even to the media and stuff. I, I think that's that's kind of been the key and the fact that the players have have bought in. And they've talked about, after some of the more disappointing losses, they've talked about, like, hey, we, we get it. We understand that we're underperforming against teams that we should do better against. And, and it is a bit of a, you know, underdog mentality, which allows them to do better against the good teams. But... Yeah, there's a lot of, and obviously we don't know the exact message that's being preached behind the scenes, but there's a lot of, hey, this team is capable. And there's a there's no one that this team can't beat. You've beaten the best teams in the league, and you've beaten them handedly. I mean, they've beaten Portland. They've beaten San Diego. They've beaten Washington. And they've beaten them by a significant margin. So this team is clearly capable of doing really great things, and I think he's got complete buy-in. Which is which is always really really important, especially for a young developing team to have complete buy-in on the message the coach is sending that that can only end well for a team. No, for sure, and it, the results definitely speak for themselves in that regard. I mean, like we've said countless times, we know that this pride roster should not be, you know, on paper doing some of the things that they're doing. But when you have that buy-in, when you have that level of commitment to the message, to the goal, and you're all pushing to the same direction, it's hard to be stopped. And we, we're seeing that a lot more often now with the Pride as, as you kind of, you know, Seb had that opportunity to lay the foundation this year or last year. And this year it obviously took a little bit of time to get it all there. The Pride were, were good in preseason. They saw a lot of good standout performances, a lot of good victory results, and there was a positive momentum. And when the games got real, we saw them stumble a little bit. But for the most part, even when they're not necessarily getting those results, you're seeing it in some of these defeats as, as well, is that there there is that buy and there's that commitment. And it's, it's really taking that pride to where they want to be. So it's, I mean, it's all encouraging, I think. I was skeptical, I think, on, on Seb coming into the season and kind of what he would be able to do, but he's really proving himself to be, regardless of the tactics, he's really proving himself to be a guy that can that can lead this group, that can lead the locker room. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for the Pride now, knowing that and knowing that eventually this team is going to be able to bring in more talent. They're going to, you know, they're still pretty pretty down there on the roster rebuild. Um They've got money to play with, and it'll be exciting to see 
what they do with that over the next year, kind of heading into the off season. Um, there's a couple of moves that we'll have to talk about here in a moment, but things are certainly heading in the right direction. Um, even if they obviously don't end up making the playoffs this year, I think for me this season, the way things are trending now, it's hard to look at this season as being anything but successful, regardless of where they finish, you know? Oh, absolutely. Cause I think we say going into the season, if they didn't do well, that wouldn't be that disappointing because it would be a, a little bit expected given the state of the team and where things were. But yeah, I think just just based on what we've seen, if if nothing else changes or whatever, like or even if a bad run of form, like pretty successful season have laid the groundwork for a bright future. Yep. Couple of notes for the pride. One outgoing transfer this week. Haley Buhea. Did I say that right? Transferred, so. t- transferred to Inter Miami after just one season with the Pride. She joined the team. Uh, uh, not Inter Miami. I'm sorry, Inter Milan. Milan. Uh, she joined the team at this exact time last year, July 2022. The 19-year-old, she only made six appearances during her tenure in Orlando. But she is off to uh, back to Europe, um, where she came from after agreeing on a fee with Milan. So Orlando bringing a little bit of money back for her. That fee undisclosed. So we, or that fee, we don't know what it is. Um, And then coming in, the Pride did announce on Monday another big move. They have signed Brazilian national team defender, Afaeli Souza. She is currently away at the World Cup with with Marta and Adriana. Uh, Two seasons at Arsenal, the Pride used allocation money to make the signing. So when she's done, um, she let's see, she was named to Brazil's roster on Tuesday and will join the Pride following Brazil's run in the tournament. So that's exciting. Um, you know, she two like I said, two seasons with Arsenal, um, totaled 35 appearances, four goals. She's primarily a center back. This is a this is a big move for Orlando and and hopefully something that can stabilize them back there. Do you where do you see this? Uh, her impact potential being for the Pride when she comes back? I think obviously having a, a very solid defender. I, I don't think the Pride's defense has been awful this year, but you can always use more players pushing for, for starting roles. And, and But more importantly, I think it's good for the development of some of these younger players to have yet another experienced and very skilled player Playing with them, leading them. We've seen what the veteran players have done in a leadership role this season. I think this can only help continue to push, especially these the young defenders, but just the young players in general to to a higher level. For sure. She just turned, I believe, 32, it looks like, last month. Um, she signed a three-year contract through the 2025 season. So, like you said, a lot of experience. She's been playing international soccer since 2011 when she made her her debut for Brazil's senior team. She's been named to two World Cups um, this season, and the, her last one was the one in Canada in 2015. She's been on the Olympic roster twice. She's played in, professionally in Brazil. She's played professionally in China. Obviously spent two years um, with Arsenal. She began her professional career in the NWSL as part of the Houston Dash. So she has experience across different international levels, across different professional levels all over the world. Like you said, a lot of knowledge, 
an ability that she's going to be able to bring to this pride team. And it's hard to see her being anything but a positive impact in that locker room, hopefully a positive impact on the field as well um, through her play and what she's able to transfer. She's also uh, named Brazil's captain last year during 2022, leading her country to the 2022 Copa America Femenina title. So accomplished player and a lot to offer. Very excited to see her out there. Moving on to Orlando City B real quick. Uh, crazy game on Sunday night. They they overcome two separate deficits to take a 5-3 victory over FC Cincinnati 2. Jack Lynn and Juninho each score a brace. So they fall behind 1-0. Juninho scores off Shaq Muhammad assists to level up 1-1. Then in the 46th minute, second half, Cincinnati scores. Cincinnati scores again eight minutes later. So it's 3-1 Cincinnati. An own goal a minute later makes it 3-2 Cincinnati. In the 70th minute, Juninho scores. That levels it up. And then Jacqueline in the 72nd and the 75th scores twice to make it 4-3, then 5-3. Let's see. um, Orlando also had a player red carded, Wilford Rivera, in the 89th minute. So they finished the game with 10 men. Five goals, eight goals altogether, a red card. What the hell? Only one player too, not wild. used. They only used they used everybody but one player on the bench, so everyone got in. It was a wild. I, I only caught bits and pieces at the end because I was watching the U.S. men's national team game. But yeah, that was like I saw that they were down. Then I got the notification that they scored, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Like things are things are decent, you know, whatever." Uh, and then like things just kind of continued to escalate, <laughs> like because it was one one, and then they were down. Uh, 2-1 and then it was 2-2 or sorry they were down 3-1 at one point and then it was 3-2 and then from there obviously went on and continued to be 5-3 but it was like the notifications kept going off with the the last uh, two goals or three goals in the there was like a five minute span of three goals and my phone kept giving me notifications and I was like I'm not sure if this is like glitching out because it wasn't telling me who scored it just said there was a goal and i was like oh i feel like i think the app's just like bugging out and then i went back to my to my room and i checked my computer and like had the game pulled up there and i was like oh they really did score i was all right and then you get the red card right there towards the end i was like this is just one of the wildest outcomes would have been fun to 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 watch, like to be there. I feel like that would have been an enjoyable experience. But no, good good win for for OCB being down, especially being down three one. But yeah, what a what an absolute chaotic game. Yeah, chaotic for sure. Twenty four shots. That's how many shots Orlando City B took. Twenty six fouls between the two teams in this game. Sixteen for Cincinnati, ten for Orlando. I mean, just wild all around. The win, it's got, let's see, three points. It's got OCB up to fifth in the Eastern Conference of MLS Next Pro. I don't know how many teams make the playoffs here, but uh, through 16 games, they're in fifth on 27 points. Crown Legacy FC, first place in the East on 38. It's also their second win of the year over FC Cincinnati, too, so... Good job. Congrats to them. Things uh, continuing to go pretty uh, pretty well for Orlando City B this season. You know, they've they've turned it around as, as a little feeder club. They're getting the results now, which hasn't always been the case. And 
like we've already mentioned, they're producing players to the first team. So that's uh, the pipeline is starting to show itself. And Orlando City B is starting to be a uh, productive little venture down there. It's exciting. All right. MLS and World Soccer News. Um, obviously, the Gold Cup's going on, and uh, the U.S. men's national team, dude, they have just been so awful. Jesus Ferreira, even. Terrible. Only six goals in his last two games so far in the group stage. Um, what is going on? I mean, from from this is just purely reading Twitter. So it sounds like the U.S. men's national team has been bad. Um, a 6 nothing victory only, God, over St. Kitts and Nevis on Wednesday. And now a uh, another six to nothing win over Trinidad and Tobago on Sunday. Um, Kyle, what the hell is going on with the national team? I listen. You talk about the things on Twitter and the things that have been going on. I've seen so much. Like, although I will say, I've seen more people tweet about how dumb it is that people are hating on Jesus Ferreira than I've actually seen hate on Jesus Ferreira. Ferreira, who, by of, like, the way, the first. U.S. men's national team player ever to score hat tricks in consecutive matches. And he did so in the very first half against Trinidad. So uh, continue. Yeah. Well, so I've seen, I've seen a lot of like, yeah, it's good that he's scoring these goals, but he, he doesn't do it against good competition, which is fair. I think that's a valid critique of a player. I also don't think critiquing a player is hating on a player. I think the Alexi Lawlesses of the world tend to be a little, hyper defensive of things in this country not hyper defensive of things on january 6th but you know uh or at least hyper defensive of the right things but you know that's neither here nor there um but it's like very impressive very good that he did that he's also not the number one striker he's not the number one option there nor is he going to be the expectation isn't that he's going to be the good thing is that he's a 22 year old who's scoring an absurd amount of goals with the USB team as they are cruising through the Gold Cup. When I saw the the Jamaica game and it was 1-1 and it could have very easily been 2-1 or even 2-0, like that was a game that, that the US looked out of their depth to begin with and they were able to pull it off and get the draw. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a long tournament. This team might not be capable. And then you watch the St. Kitts and Nevis game and you go, okay, St. Kitts and Nevis, right? <laughs> Not a very impressive team to beat, but you can only you can only play who's in front of you. And then beating Trinidad and Tobago, who I, I know it's only Trinidad and Tobago, but think back to qualifying for the 2018 World Cup and realize that beating them 6 nothing is not a given. So it, it's it's impressive in the sense that to have two complete victories while playing guys that aren't really in the conversation for starting roles. There's a handful of young players in there. Kate Cowell had a really impressive goal and a nice little run in there, broke the ankles of both the goalkeeper and one of the defenders and to put it away. And, you know, you get some good things like that where it's encouraging. And then you realize he's only 19, which like I thought he was older because he's been playing with San Jose for like a decade. So I just assumed he was older. But you got a lot of young guys, Jalen Neal playing at center back, another another teenager. Like you got a lot of young guys getting minutes, who aren't starter caliber now for the national team. Jean Luc Busio, also a nice little goal. Yep, these are these are all guys who like still have plenty of room to grow. And then you have guys like um, Matt Miazga and Christian Rodan, who who we know what what their kind of ceiling is, and that, and it's okay, but. 
just a very encouraging very encouraging performances so far and also you look at elsewhere around the gold cup like canada's not been super great mexico lost to qatar like i think i think it's when the when the usb team can be still the strongest team in the cup that's that's good for the country you love to see that yeah and i mean this tournament literally is like you said it's the b team it is about giving these lesser um prominent guys the the players who are not starting for the full strength national team the opportunities to play on the national stage to show what they've got to show their potential and and get looks and you have these players going out and they're succeeding and they're still getting hate on Twitter or it's always somehow brought to somehow brought back to Greg Berhalter or somehow brought to how MLS is terrible and Twitter's an awful place we all know that and it's even worse when the U.S. men's national team is playing or involved at all so I hate it Um, but yeah I mean they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and there's literally not a single negative thing that should be said honestly at this moment that like you said you look around you see all these other teams are performing and the u.s is just blown past these teams as they should which means that they are doing things correctly you know if they weren't blowing past these teams yeah i'd be a little bit more concerned but Whatever, it is what it is. On to the uh, quarterfinals where they will face the runner-up of Group D. So, still wait on that result. Uh, moving on, speaking of the national team, we'll stick in the realm. Christian Pulisic, finally, it seems to be on his way out of Chelsea. Fallen out of favor, hasn't really received much playing time there. He needs to get somewhere. Um, it, a late bid, it looks like, from Leon has been rejected by Pulisic. They offered about, I think, $15 million to Chelsea. Um, let, well, um, okay, actually, double that. So, Leon have submitted an offer, according to ESPN, uh, for for Pulisic, um, although it is less than the reported $27 million fee, a significant portion of which is made up in add-ons. Um, it sounds like he, Leon are also unable to meet Milan's wage offer. So it seems like Christian Pulisic has agreed in principle to sign with AC Milan in Syria. Um, Leon making the move doesn't seem like they've got the upper hand in this one. So Pulisic to Milan, that, that I'm good with that, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think the, the Leon move would have been better for him because I think he'd be starting every game. He'd be a star player there. And I think well, I mean, to, do you think it's to... better to be playing in um, like the Uber Eats League? Is that what they call it now? Um, league Un? <laughs> the the Uber league, Eats League. Um, the, the, league, the Uber Eats League Un, I think is what the, it's officially called, versus uh, Syria. I mean... Um, yes... I think it would be. I think it would still be the better move for him because I think for him, what he needs is to be playing consistently. And as long as he's in one of the top five leagues, I think that's still a good move. Like I, I don't, I don't think the French league is that much of a drop off from the Italian league. I, I think right now, top to bottom, the Italian league is is the second best league in the world, just in terms of the the sheer amount of teams. It's still fairly weak at the bottom, but there's a handful of of good teams at the top battling it out whereas in england you you realistically only have two or two or three in spain you have the big three and in france you have psg and psg 
um, their front office being the only thing that can stop them from doing anything successful. So I think it is definitely a strong league in Italy, but I think also if he's not going to go in and start and play a lot of games, similar to what happened with Serginio Dest going to AC Milan, like it doesn't really matter if you're not playing because that's his issue now is that he's not playing. It's not that he's not good. And when he plays for the U.S., he's very good. He just hasn't been able to play consistently because he's he's not in a good situation for him. So I do think the, the better move would be to go to France, but going to AC Milan isn't necessarily a – it's not a bad move. No, and I mean, I believe – is uh Milan finished fourth in Serie A? Does that get them into champ? I mean, uh, the Champions League, I guess, now has like 500 teams, so I get that does get them into Champions League in some form this year, right? So, I mean, I regardless, mean, he'll, be, he'll be playing in Europe, yeah. So, either in I, I think they're it's Champions League, I, I don't remember what the what the new rules are, yeah. So, I mean, I'd like to think that you know, if AC Milan's going to come out here and spend the money on him, that it's going to be worth his while. Um, to be able to come play for the team. What's also noteworthy is that AC Milan now is, of course, owned by a majority stake from Redbird Capital, which is uh, partners include the New York Yankees, so it is an American ownership group, which would also make sense as to why, of course, they want America's biggest soccer star, as is typical from all these American ownership groups around Europe. They want the Americans. So I'd like to think that similar to... Chelsea, when you know when Chelsea signed Pulisic originally for that massive fee, part of it was this guy's the next big American thing. We want to get it because America is really starting to love soccer, and we can capture that audience. I think that's probably a large part of what's going on here, and hopefully he is playing. You know, obviously I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on AC Milan, but we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, I think it would be good. It definitely it's still a competitive league. He'll be playing in Europe. I don't see why this would, you know, be a bad thing, especially compared to Leon. I would pick it over that. We'll see. Um, that's pretty much all I've got at the moment. It's been very slow in the world of soccer. Um, Gold Cup international stuff's going on. Red cards and weird news. Do you have some weird news? I have what was put on our slash, not the onion. I don't consider it weird news. I support this move. And I, I endorse it. But a Canadian member of parliament is filing an official grievance with the House of Commons against Taylor Swift, who, when she announced Mm-mm. new tour dates, did not announce any Canadian dates. Oh and God. while I do still hold my stance of despising Canada in every facet, I can also empathize with people who would just like to see some T-Swift. And I understand the the massive cultural impact that having Taylor Swift come to your backwater country can have. And so I think if Canada wants to make steps to not be dirty brown water trash, having someone like Taylor Swift bestow her presence upon them is a good thing. So I, I, I empathize with this man, feel for them. I also will not be seeing Taylor Swift on her tour. So I get it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That's fair. I mean, I might if I if I was a member of Congress, I would definitely censure uh, vote to censure Taylor Swift for not coming to Richmond. But you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you just gotta deal with it. Um, 
I don't really have any weird news this week. I haven't seen anything that is not just part of having an awful planet that we're living in. Most of the news is doom and gloom now, unfortunately. Um, so there was yeah. uh, an excellent CNN article about how boats have found a way to decrease carbon emissions by attaching giant kites to let the wind ah, carry them yeah. across the ocean. What a uh, such a simple yet obvious solution to to boats. I'm I'm so shocked that that has not been thought of beforehand. How has nobody thought of using giant sheets to catch the wind and and move? <laughs> All right. I think it could be a, a promising invention, or that ship could have sailed. There you go. Weird, uh, not weird news. Red cards playing advantage. Yeah, I'm going to play Advantage to Final Fantasy 16. I was very excited to talk about it last week, but we were unable to record due to uh, legal issues mm-hmm. is what we'll go with. Mm-hmm. Mostly, uh, Gavin had the Orlando flu. Yes. But yeah, Final Fantasy 16, one of the greatest games I've ever played. Uh, I'm I By the time this episode comes out, I will have beaten it for the second time already. Just incredible. Just Fan freaking tastic! If you have a PlayStation Five, go get it. Go play it. It's great. Lovely. My, I'm gonna give a playing advantage this week to NASCAR. They pulled it off. They were in Chicago this weekend for their first ever street race in downtown Chicago. In like, so they raced around Grant Park, right there on Lake Michigan Avenue. Um, a lot of skepticism coming into this one. Obviously, knowing you know. You know what NASCAR's primary fan base is. The Fox News segment of that group was very uh, against this race from the very beginning because they're just scared of cities and all they think that is um, they only believe that Chicago is basically akin to Afghanistan. Um, you know, despite the fact that it is the third most popular city in the United States, you know, it's obviously just a war zone. Nobody's actually living there, enjoying their lives. Um, but they did it. They went into downtown Chicago. They pulled it off. So a really unpredictable monsoon event occurred on Sunday mornings that flooded the track. So it did ruin a lot of um, what was supposed to be basically a festival with concerts. The Chainsmokers, Miranda Lambert, and all these people were supposed to play. There was also supposed to be you know, the, the Cup Series race, which did happen, um, which was very exciting, very fun. Um, so shout out to NASCAR for doing that. I I was very skeptical that the racing would be good, and it was actually very good, very entertaining. Um, Sean Van Gins Van Gisberger, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. A New Zealand supercar driver, racing for Project 91, which is the the trackhouse car that's aimed at getting all of these global racing stars. Kimi Räikkönen drove it last year at Watkins Glen. He comes over, and for the first time in like 60 years. He won his first start. He was the first guy to win his very first start in a NASCAR race, um, coming a, a, a pass on the last like five or six laps to take the lead, and he won. So very cool story. Very cool three-time supercar champion, like really accomplished uh, sports car driver, supercar driver in, in Australia, to come over here and, and see him dominate. That was really cool. In addition to, you know, the fact that they were racing on city streets. You know, F1 and in IndyCar do it all the time, but actual like stock cars crazy so um yeah i think that's uh that's about it 
have we have we exceeded our rate limit yet again we're almost there i feel like we have we have okay. we have viewed too many tweets we have viewed too many tweets of the day is it still a thousand or what, what's going on with that i hit it originally the other day i hit the 600 i haven't uh, I have sense. a clue. I have I have apparently hit it for today because I had TweetDeck open and I had multiple columns, and so it is said that I have hit my. It forced oh. me to go to new TweetDeck, which was finally working because old TweetDeck wasn't, and now old or new TweetDeck has crashed and will not work, and will not let me go back to old TweetDeck. Just Whoa. a banger day for a website that I am phasing myself yeah, out of using. You know, we are literally on the Titanic; it is sinking, and the violins are still playing. Everything's acting normal, but we know the ship's going down. If you still haven't hit your rate limit for the day, head over to our Twitter page at ORL Soccer Show, where you can get a link to our Discord. There are no rate limits there. There is no uh, fire burning um, carcasses over there. It's much quieter, much calmer, much more civil. And there's actually good takes, unlike Twitter, which is all bad takes. So come on over. Join our Discord. You can talk to us if you feel like that's something you want to do. Yeah, is what it is. Uh, is yeah. paying for Twitter Blue the equivalent of paying to get on the Titan submarine? Yeah, you're paying to go on a sinking ship. So, yeah, that pretty much pretty equally equivalent. Um, but, no, you're not paying for, for Twitter Blue. You're paying for free speech, Kyle. That's what you're paying for. With your Ah, that's right. You got to pay for free. And George Washington, if he were alive today, he would pay $8 on Twitter. Because he's a true patriot that also loves free speech. So, true. That's what they said about him. He said he loved Twitter. He loved Twitter. We used to love Twitter, and now we all hate Twitter. But you know what, folks? That's what we, we never do. loved it. That's what we do. No, we never loved it. It was always <laughs> terrible. It has always been bad for my health, but you know, I'm. We can't quit. It. Yeah, I don't know. we we can't quit it. Hopefully, it'll quit itself, and then we won't have to be there anymore. But all right. Enjoy the game on Tuesday. Enjoy the fireworks. Unless you have a dog, then, you know, like myself, then hate everyone around you for doing fireworks because that's apparently how we celebrate things. And, you know, we'll see you next week when, uh, after RSL in Toronto. Bye bye.